Well, if you have your Bibles with you, and you may be following on version this morning, if not, you can certainly open up your Bibles to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. So many different ways to read God's Word. Uh, yesterday, I was, my family were at, at Academy, and I was walking by, and I saw uh, Bernice's aunt and uncle, uh, Brother Becerra, they were there, and his wife there. So I had, you know, stopped off and talked to them. And, of course, the conversation turned to Sister Emma. And uh, so we were just, just reminiscing, really, you know, uh, the memories. But I, would, I was telling them just something that's always been on my mind. I'll, I'll never forget, you know, her, her, her faithfulness and her always carrying her Bible with her. I would always hear, in fact... Uh, Oh, there you go. That's a Bible. Wow, that's that's great. Yeah, your mom's Bible. That is absolutely great. That that's priceless. That is priceless. Uh, and I and I and I remember that I would you know sometimes, you know, we'd start the service and I would see her. I mean, I can almost see her walking. You know, park her little car there in the curb and she'd be walking, you know, uh, towards the door with her purse and her Bible all the time. All the time. That was. That's who she was. So, you know, we we talked about that with a lot of great memories, and but always that her love for God, her love for uh, God's house, and her love for God's word always always had her Bible, of course. And I would laugh and I told him, you know, when she would tell Anthony, read your Bible, but real, read the real one. Don't read the one on your phone. So, anyway, God's word is amazing, and whatever form we have it, you know, the key is. To read God's word. So this morning I want to talk to you on Jesus cares for you. Jesus cares for you. John chapter 11, and let me read a portion of the scripture. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, who, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was Two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews are tried to stone you, and yet you are going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble. For they have no light. I don't know if you've ever stumbled in the dark and snubbed your, your, your toes. Like, ah. Verse 11, after, they, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. The disciples weren't always the brightest people. Because Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. 
So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And we'll stop there. So every day, we face a variety of experiences as we go through life. And we respond with a variety of emotions. It's part of daily living. It's part of life. Experiences, emotions, and questions. You may ask, man, what, what, what will this day be like? Will things get better at my job? Why am I feeling this way? Why am I going through this problem? Does Jesus even care? And, and I think that's one question we all ask at one time or another. Does Jesus care? And if we're, we're honest with ourselves, I think perhaps we've asked this question once or multiple times in our life. Does Jesus care? So today, I, I just want to spend a few, moment, uh, a few minutes, moments, to remind you today that not only does Jesus care, but he cares more deeply than you can imagine. Jesus cares. So we're going to draw some principles this morning out of John chapter 11. And I want to share these with you because in John chapter 11, we find what may be the greatest miracle performed by Jesus in the gospel, bringing Lazarus back to life. But in the story, we're going to see, we're going to find out just how much Jesus cares for us. So let me share with you some principles that I believe will help us as we are reminded that Jesus does care for us. First of all, Jesus cares by giving us friends in the faith. Friends in the faith. Now, we all have friends, right? But I'm talking about friends in the faith. Friends with whom we have something very important in common. That's our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, we all need close friends, right? We, we all need close friends that provide a refuge from the problems of this world. Even Jesus had close friends. And even Jesus had a special place. Now, when we go back to the verses that, that we read, the one you love suggests that Jesus had a special friendship with Lazarus and his sisters. Verse 5 makes this very clear. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So Jesus, in his human dimension, okay, in his human dimension, Jesus needed friends. He needed friends. So he's aware of our need for friendship, especially friends in the faith. Now, Jesus also needed a special place. Now, Bethany was the closest thing that Jesus had to a home in Judea. In fact, we know that he retreated there every night of the last week of his life. The last week of his life, Jesus spent every night at his home there in Bethany. You know, sometimes when we're going 
through painful times, we want to avoid our friends and we want to spend time to ourselves. You just want to be by yourself. Don't bother me. I want to be by myself. You know, and that sometimes that's appropriate for a time, but we can't dwell on that. And, and, And don't reject your friend's offer to be an encouragement to you. Jesus knew he would be facing the most difficult week of his life on earth. And he spent it at his friend's house. See, Jesus cares for us by providing friendships. Friends in the faith. Friends in the faith. And this is one of the functions of the church. This is one of the functions of the church. You develop friends in the faith. Now, by that, I don't mean that all your friends must come from this church. But I'm saying that the strongest and most helpful friendships will be with those whom you have a common faith in Jesus Christ. Whether they're a part of this church or a part of the universal church, friends in the faith are so important because you have that in common with people. Both Christ followers, both believers. Now, Psalm 68 6 says that God places the lonely in families. God places lonely people in families. And this is a gift of God that we can have friendships in the church for our times of loneliness. Because this really shows how much Jesus Jesus cares for us because he provides friends in the faith for us. Friends that will encourage us. So I want to encourage you. Let's cultivate our friendships in the faith. As we come together to worship, as we study God's word together, as we eat together, we are reminded that we're never alone because Jesus cares Because he provides us friends in the faith. Other believers. Verse 3 once again says, The one you love. This verse can really be applied to every one of us. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus, then this is talking about you. The one he loves. He loves you and Jesus cares for you. And he cares about you. Now, another principle that can help us be reminded that Jesus cares for us is that Jesus cares by responding in his perfect timing. We all know the importance of timing, right? Sometimes we say, hey, timing is everything, man. I was just at the right place at the right time, right? Timing is everything. For example, timing is essential when dealing with people. You know, you, you don't ask for a raise when business is not going well, right? The business is struggling. That's not the time to ask for a raise. You know, timing is important in cooking, right? Right? Brother Mac knows this. Timing is important in cooking, you know? If, if, if you lose track of time, oh, my God, I burned something. Timing is everything. Timing is important in medicine. If you catch a problem early enough, 
you'll be able to treat it effectively. It's about timing. You know, if, if you take your medication as directed, it's going to be helpful. What do they tell you? You know, you go see the doctor, you're not feeling well, it gives you medication. What's the thing they tell you? Take your medicine until it's all gone, right? And you take it, take one in the morning or one in the afternoon, take it with food, their instructions. But it's all about timing. It's all about timing. And see, and when it comes to our problems, we always want God to intervene right away, right? Right now, God. But God, God has perfect timing. God has perfect timing. Verse 5, we see that Jesus didn't leave right away when he heard that Lazarus was sick. His friend that he loved was sick. Verse 5 says that he stayed for two more days. He stays around for two more days. I find that incredible. I find that incredible. That his, his, the Lazarus, the one that he loved, is sick, and Jesus sticks around for two more days before he goes to see him. Now, there, there's two other times in the book of John that we read that Jesus, Jesus didn't act right away when others expected him to do so. In John 3, his mother tells him, Mary tells him that they're out of wine at the wedding in Canaan. Jesus replied, what, what, I, what does that have to do with me? He goes, my time has not yet come. In John chapter 7, Jesus' brothers told him he should go to Judea to perform some miracles there. I'm thinking, they were thinking, Jesus, if you perform miracles, then other people will believe in you. Sounds like a good plan to me. But Jesus refused to do so, and he says, my time has not yet come. In other words, Jesus wasn't winging it. He wasn't acting off the cuff. There was a plan in place. And there is a time for everything. Jesus always moves according to divine timing. He always knows when to move on our behalf. And when it's time to move, nothing can stop him. But back to our story in John chapter 11. The disciples tried to discourage him from going to Judea because the Jews had tried to stone him. The last time he was there, said, Jesus, the last time you were there, it wasn't good. Verse 7, then he, this is what he says. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you want to go back? See, there was danger for Jesus and his disciples, actually. But the truth was that it was time to go to work a miracle. And when it's time for Jesus to move, it's time. It's time. Verse 9, Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's lights. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. So what Jesus here is saying is that the world needs the light that only he can provide. So it doesn't matter how dangerous it would be, or how difficult the situation is, it was time for him to act. So he was going to go. See, you see, it doesn't matter how difficult 
your situation may be, or even if it seems impossible, Jesus is never afraid to step into your situation and to act on your behalf. He never fails to act on time. He's always on time. So if it looks like God isn't responding to your request on time, don't take that to mean that he's forgotten about you. With God, delay isn't indifference. He really cares. He really cares. Now, I would say also that Jesus cares by reminding us of his divine perspective. Jesus cares by reminding us of his divine perspective. You know, it's so easy for us to get caught up in our human condition and our struggles in life sometimes. Our momentary struggles in life. Because sometimes the struggles that you're going through, they're momentary. They're not, they're not forever. They're not forever. You know, I would, I would tell Micah when he was going to college, it may seem you're there for a long time, but I would tell him, it's not forever. You're, at one point, you're going to finish. You're going to finish. When I was in college, every Saturday, you know, he, he worked throughout college, but every Saturday, 12-hour days, every Saturday, Chick-fil-A, 11 to 11, every Saturday when he was in college. And I would tell him, Micah, just hang in there. It's, it's not going to last forever. You know, you'll finish. Believe me, you, you'll be done, and you'll finish. So sometimes we, we believe that our struggles in life, they're, they're going to be there forever. And when we do that, we lose perspective. Has that, has that ever happened to you where you lose perspective in life? You kind of lose it. You know, and, and perhaps you, you thought that what you were going through was the worst thing that anyone has ever gone through in the history of the world. And it's easy to do. Yeah, it's, I've done it. God, what I'm going through, no one else has gone through what I'm going through. This is the worst thing. And, and sometimes we lose perspective. And it is easy to do. And I believe, I believe that we've all done it. We've all done it. But part of Jesus' care for us is reminding us gently, and, and maybe sometimes not so gently, that there is a bigger picture. There's a bigger picture. You see, Jesus let his disciples know that he didn't view the situation like they did. The disciples viewed the situation in one way, but Jesus' perspective was quite different. They saw Lazarus' death as a sad, tragic story. And humanly speaking, it was. But Jesus saw it as an opportunity for God to be glorified. Different perspective. The disciples saw Lazarus as dead. Jesus saw him as asleep. Different perspective. They saw a trip back to Judea as dangerous. Jesus saw it as an opportunity to minister and show God's power. Now, to me, the most striking statement in this passage is in verses 14 and 15. Because the Bible says, Lazarus is dead. And he says, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. Jesus saying this. I'm thinking, Jesus, you're cold, man. You're, you're vicious. 
Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, he says, I'm glad I was not there. Are you kidding me? How can Jesus say that? How can Jesus say, I'm glad I wasn't there? Is that what he says when, we, when you go through trials and tribulations? You know what? I'm glad I wasn't there. You know? You're going through a tough time? Man, I'm glad I wasn't there. To me, what, is, what a statement by Jesus. Lazarus is dead and Jesus says, I'm glad I wasn't there. See, but Jesus sees everything at a different level. We'll never have his complete perspective. But it's important for us to understand that Jesus sees things differently and totally so we can trust in him. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this. For my thoughts, God says, are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He says, my, my thoughts are not your thoughts. God says, my ways are not your ways. Different God's perspective and the way he chooses to accomplish things are so different, so different than what we, we think and how we think. God chooses to accomplish things through ways that we don't even understand. We don't even understand. And, and, and I'm, remind, I'm always reminded about this, you know. So I've shared, this is not a new story. I've shared this many times about <clears throat> Seth's illness when he had a heart defect. And, and I still, I'm amazed at all this because this is not something that I understood right away. It took me really years to kind of begin to understand a lot of things. So Seth, uh, you know, when he, we took him to Cook's, uh, a few weeks after he was born with a heart defect, and we were flying into Cook's Hospital there in Fort Worth, and uh, I was all just a blur. And my wife arrives uh, there hours later, and we get to talk to the doctor. It, it, the doctor, the surgeon's name is Victor Tam. I'll never forget him, Victor Tam, surgeon. And some of these things I. Details that I'll share with you, I, I learned later on. It wasn't that I knew right away. So I remember sitting down with my wife and I, sitting down with the doctor Sunday evening. Sunday, we, we had arrived a few hours earlier with Seth, and this was late Sunday night. Talking to the doctor and, and saying, this is the issue. You know, we can correct his heart issue. We have to have surgery. And I remember he, him, him draw, drawing... Uh, like a diagram of what he was going to do and, and all. And anyway, was, our minds was just, I mean, going. And uh, so we talked a while, and he asked, do you have any questions? And uh, I remember me telling him, doctor, there's a lot of people praying for you. Because we did. We had a lot of people. Our, our church family was praying for us. 
some uh, Christian uh, co-workers were praying for us in my department, in my wife's department. They were praying for us already. And I remember telling Dr. Tam, there's a lot of people praying for you. A lot of people praying for you. I remember him telling us, my wife may or may not remember, I remember him saying, thank you. He goes, I need prayer in my life, he told me. I need prayer in my life. So we went on about, went through the surgery. Uh, maybe the, the day after the surgery, talking to other doctors there and nurses. You know, come, come to find out that, that Cook's Hospital had been trying to hire Dr. Tam for years and years. He was highly qualified. It was at John, uh, John Hopkins University, highly qualified. They had been trying to hire him for years to come to Cook's in Fort Worth and hadn't worked out details, you know. But he had, when they hired him, he started the day before we arrived to Cook's. The day before we arrived. In fact, Seth was one of his first, uh, uh, one of the first patients that he saw. And even then, you know, Seth, when he went through the surgery, we got him home. We would go, we would go to uh, Abilene to take him uh, for follow-ups. There was a clinic in Abilene. So we would go, and I remember one time my wife and I took Seth, and I, I kind of forget how old he was. He's still little. Anyway, and the cardiologist that saw him was a Christian. He was a Christian. Now, you ask me, how, how do I know he was a Christian? Because right before we began, you know, our discussion, we had Seth in there. He asked us, hey, do you mind if we pray together? I go, uh, no. Go ahead. So he, he prays for us. So, you know, Seth was doing fine and all. And then at the end of the conversation, I asked him, hey, how is Dr. Tam doing? He says, hey, he's doing great. You know, keep on praying for him. We almost have him going to church with us. We've been witnessing to him for years. And we always, we almost have convinced him to go to church with me. And he was, the other doctors were Christians. So, man, that's great. That is absolutely great. So, you know, as we were driving home, even after a while, I, I began to think, God, ah, do you think all this, my son's illness, was part of God's plan to reach a man? Somehow? Because I always went back to the time when I said, Dr. Tam, there's a lot of people praying for you. And I always remember him saying, thank you. He goes, I need prayer in my life. And I think, God, did God use, did God orchestrate an illness for us to be able to share the message or begin to share the message with a doctor whose other, who other doctors were working with him, you know, witnessing to him to lead him to Christ. Were we all part of this plan? God? We all, were we all part of this plan? See, God's perspective is different. So when God says, listen, my, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And sometimes we don't know why we're going through a severe problem. And we think God doesn't care. But he does. He really does. He has a different perspective than we do. And he'll, and he'll use it to our advantage. For our good. For our blessing. 
So I encourage you, trust Jesus to take care of you. We may not know how. We don't even know when. But trust his power and his love. The one you love is you. The one you love, when he says, when they tell him, you know, Jesus, Lazarus, the one you love, he's actually talking about you. Jesus cares by, pro- by providing friends in the faith. Find you some Christian friends who will pray for you, who will encourage you. Stay connected to the church, which is part of God's plan for our encouragement. Stay connected to God's people. God cares by acting according to his perfect timing. Don't panic if God doesn't answer exactly when you think he should. Trust him and trust his timing. That means we praise instead of panicking. So Jesus cares By reminding us of his divine perspective. Trust that perspective. Your life is part of a bigger picture that is designed to bring glory to God. Make that your ultimate goal. Don't just seek an answer to your problem. Seek to bring glory to God. God is bigger than us, wiser than us, stronger than us. Trust him today. You know, you may not understand what you're going through, but trust him. Your pain may be great, but trust him. Jesus absolutely cares for you today. The one he loves is actually you. The one he loves, he's talking about you. So would you say this with me? Would you say Jesus cares for me? Would you say that with me? All together? One, two, three. Jesus cares for me. Say it again. Jesus cares for me. I want to encourage you today. That Jesus cares for you. He provides friends in the faith. He responds in his perfect timing. According to his perspective. And it doesn't make sense all the time. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. It doesn't make sense all the time. But Jesus absolutely cares for you. So I'm going to ask our worship team to come today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Trust God's perspective. Trust God today. Father, I thank you for your word today, God. I thank you, my God. Because today we've been reminded that you, you really care for us. You really do. Father, sometimes things happen that we don't understand. 
We don't understand your timing. We don't understand why things happen the way they happen. We don't get your perspective, God. We don't, we don't understand that. We don't understand it. Father, but I pray today, Lord, that you by your spirit would remind us to trust in you. To trust you, God. To trust your timing. To trust how you do things. To trust the process. Father, to seek you and your presence. Oh, Lord, I pray today by your spirit, God, remind us, Father, today how much you love us. The one that he loves is me. The one that he loves are your children here today.